Hello, folks. Thank you for listening to Christ Church at Grow Farm Sermon Podcast. As we enter into Holy Week, we will be hearing messages from our Maundy Thursday, Good Friday, and Easter Sunday services. If you would like more information about Christ Church at Grow Farm, or would like to connect with our pastors, staff, or ministry leaders, I would encourage you to visit our website, ccgf.org. Enjoy the messages from this week. Grace and peace to you. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for that precious, precious blood of yours shed for us, poured out. No other way. No other way by which we could ever find our way to heaven. Thank you for opening that door. Thank you for making a way when there seemed to be no way. And continue to work in our lives right now. Take my lips and speak through them. Please, Lord, take our minds and think through them. Take our wills and bend them to your own. And take our hearts, Lord Jesus, and again set them on fire with love for yourself. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Our next word is from Luke, chapter 23. It was about noon, and darkness came over the whole land. And that's the way it was until three in the afternoon. For the sun stopped shining and the curtain of the temple was torn in two and Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he had said this, he breathed his last. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for not only showing us how to live, but how to die. Take these moments now, please, Lord, and so speak to us. that we may know how to die. When Jesus prayed, giving himself to the Father, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. 
two things I want to say that aren't all that obvious as they cry out. Cry out from these words. He's calling God his father. It was that claim to be that intimately connected with God that was one of the reasons he was on the cross. But it was real. The Father in heaven was really his Father. You remember as a child, 12 years old, he stayed behind at one Passover, having traveled to Jerusalem with his family. He stayed behind, was in the temple reasoning with the elders. And they had to come back several days and find him there. And it's amazing, they began to rebuke Jesus. Didn't you know that we'd be concerned? Because the family thought he was just traveling with the crowd back home. And Jesus' answer was, did you not know that I had to be about my father's business? Amazing, at 12 years old, he was already grasping the reality that he was no ordinary child. Because the father he was speaking about was not his dad, the carpenter. It was his heavenly father. And he was about his father's business, reasoning with the leadership of the temple. A 12-year-old lad about my father's business. As he grew and entered into his ministry, he made it clear, very abundantly clear, that he was the son of the father. And they saw the divinity claim in that. And he never backed away from it. He never apologized for it. And so, as already quoted, as he's facing the cross, John chapter 17, he says, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son with the glory that he had before the world began. Somehow in the crucifixion of Jesus... He wanted then, as he saw the cross looming large, he saw in it glory. It's ugly, it's painful, it's sick, it's vicious, it's disgusting, it's humiliating. He said, glorify your son. No wonder we hold the cross, dear. No wonder it is the symbol of all things. A symbol of execution, yes. A symbol of glory. God so loving the world that he gave his only begotten son to be our savior. Father, 
The time has come, he said. And when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, his prayer was, My Father, my Father, not just Father, my Father, if there is any other way to deal with this problem, please resolve it some other way than my having to go to the cross. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. My father, is there any other way? There was no other way. He knew the cross was there before him. Not my will, but thine be done. So on the cross, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he talks about my spirit, his spirit, he is speaking about a part of the human personality that is not the body, not the soul, not the, excuse me, it's equivalent to the soul, but not just the human embodiment. It's the eternal part of the human personality. And as Pastor Ed was talking about thirsting, longing for some reality to life and fulfillment and purpose, it's because God has made us spirit. We are spirits. There is no such thing as a mere human, said C.S. Lewis. We are spiritual beings. We're not an extension of the animal kingdom. We are created in the image of God. And in the image of God, we have a spiritual life, a soul life, something that goes on living beyond the grave. The grave is not the end. There is a part of human personality that is eternal. And that soul will either live in heaven or in hell. It is eternal. And Jesus came and laid down his life and took on the burden of the sin of the world by which we deserve hell and went to hell himself on the cross. When he cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He was God forsaken because he was covered took on himself the sin of the world. And the father turned his face away. His son was forsaken for us on the cross. That spiritual life that he now places into the hands of the father is the same spirit that you and I have as human beings. And that thirsting and longing is, is that soul, that spirit in you, 
that God has created for a deep and personal and eternal relationship with himself. And nothing else will satisfy it but God himself. Into your hands I commend my spirit. Now one other thing about this amazing statement of Jesus as he commits himself into the hands of God and gives him his spirit it says he then breathed his last he gave up his life. He chose that moment and died. Humanly, physically died. Having presented his spirit, passed his spirit, handed over his spirit to the living Father, Almighty God. Into your hands I commend my spirit. It's an extraordinary thing that right in the middle of all his ministry, John chapter 10, which is the very famous shepherd passage, Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He goes on in John chapter 10 verse 17 to say this, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again and this command I received from my father. But the strident, strong statement right in the middle of that is no one takes my life from me. I lay it down of my own accord. And when he breathed his last, he has just said to the father, into your hands, I commit my spirit, that eternal spirit. What about your soul? It was Jesus who said, why of a man who would gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What does it profit a man? What's there in that to gain the whole world and lose your soul? Some of you here tonight are so consumed with gaining the world, concerned about all the stuff that goes with it, And it clouds your vision. 
all the advertising, all the listening, all the arguments, all the politics, all the drama of this sick, sick world distract you, giving you only the world to look at. This world is not my home. We're just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. And angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. We weren't made just to be here. Eternity, says the Bible, was planted in our hearts. We know there has to be more. We know there has to be more. When I was a lad walking home from school in Oxford, England, one day a strange series of thoughts I had all in a row. Why am I going to school? And I gave myself the answer to get a good education. Why do you want a good education, I said to myself. Well, so you can get a good job. Why do you want a good job? So I can earn good money. Why do you want good money? So that you can live pleasurably, securely. And then I asked myself as a lad of maybe 14 or 15, and then what? So what? And without any religious background, I was not raised to go to church. My spirit took an existential leap. And in my mind, I said, there has got to be a God. That's like an existential leap. There's got to be some reason, some purpose, something greater than just living my life and going to school and earning some money and having a comfortable life. And so what? And then what? There must be a God. And that was the beginning of God's stirrings in me to draw me to himself. A thirsting and a longing as a lad. I look at young kids today in that age range, that 13, 14, 15 years of age, and I wonder if they have those thoughts. Do they really just barrel along through the fun of being a kid? Do they have any serious thoughts? I had serious thoughts. My father had died when I was seven. What happened to him? And then some lad I knew at school had been camping with some friends, messing around with the kerosene that was in the kerosene lamp. He caught fire. He died of shock. He ran and dove into the river with his clothes on fire, and he died of shock. And his funeral came right by my house. A lad in a little coffin and people walking behind it, which happened in that day. And I thought, where's that kid now? Death wasn't a fantasy. I'd already lived by the age of 15 through the Second World War. Death was not a fantasy. And at age 14, I had those thoughts. So what? 
What then? Where does this all lead? And Jesus, with his life, chose to be the Savior, chose to die, chose by the Father's authority to lay down his life so that we might have eternal life. Come back to the Father. Be fulfilled with the knowledge that heaven was our home. And he chose to do that. They did not take his life away from him. He did that for you and me. Listen, when that thief on the cross said, if you're the Messiah, save us and yourself, Jesus could have done both physically there and then. He could have gotten off that cross. He could have gotten the other guy off the cross. But he wasn't there to do that. That wasn't the saving he came to do. He came to lay down his life. And he chose to lay it down. It was not taken from him. When he was under trial, and Pilate said to him, do you not know I have power over your life? He said, you would have no power over me unless it were given you from above. Jesus chose to lay down his life. How to live and how to die. He gave himself back to the Father. I want to tell you in closing about a friend of mine by the name of Chip Nix. He was the son of Dr. Robert Nix. We all called him Nixie. Both of them we called Nixie, father and son. When I first came to Sir Wickley, I was a young man with my young wife. We had a couple of young kids. And Chip Nix, son of our pediatrician doctor, Robert Nix, came back from Vietnam. He'd done two tours in Vietnam and survived. He went on some trip throughout India, checking out the gurus, ended up back home in Sewickley. And we got to know him, and he spent time with us, hanging out with us in our kitchen. He was always in his army fatigues, rode his motorcycle in, did wheelies on the parking lot next to the church, next to where we lived. Chipnicks got to know Jesus. A wonderful, wonderful conversion. He opened up his life to this Jesus and was made a new, new man. He went off to seminary, was ordained, became a pastor, and served God in any number of places throughout the USA. And one day I get a call from him in Austin, Texas. He had just been told by a doctor that his brain was absolutely full of cancerous cells. The doctor absolutely was overwhelmed himself. He said, he, with tears, he told Chip, 
You've only got weeks to live. Chip called me up and said, Hey, John. He said, I'm going to go and see Jesus in a couple of weeks. I jumped on a plane and went out to see him. And a couple of other guys I knew from around the, the USA had heard the same message and we all kind of arrived in Chip's room in the hospital. And it was a glory fest. Chip was absolutely exhilarated and excited. I'm going to see Jesus in a couple of weeks. Well, it actually took a couple of months, but sure enough, that was the spirit in which he spent those months and he went home to be with Jesus. Do you know that's your destiny? And if you do, are you ready to welcome it? The way to live, the way to die. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for opening a way. Thank you. that The only way to get to heaven is to die with this body here on earth. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for such a gift. Help us when we get the message and we know the truth and we're lying there and facing the end of this life. We can say, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, my soul. And thank you for those words of Jesus. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be as well. Let's pray. Oh Lord Jesus, thank you for making these choices all along the way in obedience to your Father, in submission to him. Thank you, dear Lord. O oh, Heavenly Father, into your hands we commit our spirits. We give them up to you. You alone give the breath of life. And you alone breathe on us by your Holy Spirit and make us new. The life which you gave us at birth and the life you gave us as our new birth comes from you. In trust and surrender we yield our whole selves to you. Use us as and when and where you will. We are no longer our own. In glad surrender, we are yours through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.